0: Impact and fixed spec, this is Founders Anonymous, the podcast that helps you move your business up a gear.
1: I'm your host, Chris Lees.
0: And I'm David Trot.
1: Welcome to Founders Anonymous. I'm Chris Lees. And coming up this week, David and I get stuck into products and services, understanding what it is that you do and why you do it. We found out a little bit what's been chafing David's irritable wits this week, uh, and I'll be talking a little bit about the joys of competitive cheerleading. Uh, before we get into all of that, though, David, I was on holiday last week. Did you miss me?
0: Oh, immeasurably so, yes. Yeah, absolutely. How was your holiday?
1: It was absolutely awesome, although it did rain a depressing amount of time.
0: <laughs> yeah, you were in England, presumably. I was
1: I was in England because yeah. nobody's allowed to go anywhere else. It was just down on the south coast. Uh, very nice uh, area, although it was... Um,
0: Rainy. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you back.
1: Thank you. Thank you. You didn't replace me, which is very important.
0: <laughs> I trust. The seat is still warm. <laughs> Some people seem to start businesses with a really clear vision of what they want to achieve and how. But many of us stumble into starting a business because of circumstances at the time and then we struggle to grow. It's a classic problem and one that Simon Sinek tried to address in his book, Start With Why. Chris, in a previous life, you used to be a product manager. What golden nuggets of wisdom can you share to help businesses and listeners figure all this stuff out?
1: That's a great question. Almost as if it's been planted. (laughs) all right. So so let me try to break this down a little bit. The first first thing to say is the word product is a little bit uh, confusing for a lot of people. In fact, when I talked to you about, hey, I want to talk about product, you said, I don't have any products. So I want to clear that up first. A product is anything that you sell. So when I say product, I mean product or service. It could yep. be a physical thing or it could be a service that you're providing somebody. That's that one done. Simon Sinek. So his Start With Why book, uh, if you haven't read it already, I do recommend it, go and have a look at it. And there's also a really great TED talk online as well, where he breaks down this idea of how to communicate and excite people about your business, starting from almost a biological background of, uh, people are excited and engaged and attracted to people who explain why they do something before they talk about how they do it or what it is that they do. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the biggest challenges people have with this whole idea of start with why is normally you're in business and then you read the book, right? So you're reverse engineering your why. And that's really the thing that I want to try to tackle here, right? So I want to give you a slightly different frame of reference. So pretty much any business has, in my opinion, two products. They have the product that is on your website, the thing that you normally sell. And then they have a second product that is not on your website, but I like to call your hidden product. Let's imagine that I run a high end restaurant, right? It's all amuse-bouche, foam everywhere, (laughs) fancy French waiters, that sort of thing, right? And so you could say, well, you know, what's your product? I feed people. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. That's your visible product. What is your hidden product? What is it you actually do? You have an experience. That is what you're selling. You you, uh, are giving people a memorable experience of that night out, right? What's left with us at the end of the day is an experience. And that's actually what you're paying for. So that is your hidden product. Yeah. Let's take a different example. Let's say you run a small village pub in the middle of nowhere. You could say, well, my product is I sell beer and wine and and cider. That's your visible product. Your hidden product actually is that you're the center of a community. And so just about any business is a combination of a visible product and a hidden product. And really what Simon is trying to say is, what is your hidden product? Because once you understand exactly what your hidden product is, all of your marketing, all of your communication, everything that, that you do can just talk to that hidden
0: product. Yeah, I like that. I mean, in many ways, like that hidden product is almost the emotional response that people have to our product or service, right? Exactly, exactly, <clears throat> so yeah. you're not selling an amuse-bouche. And can I just say how delighted I am to be on a podcast that is talking about amuse boosters? <laughs> um, you're not just selling... Fancy food, you're selling the experience, you're selling the memories that are associated with that experience. And that's the sticky stuff. That's the stuff that that stays in people's minds and helps them form a connection with you and your brand, right?
1: Exactly. And it's also the reason why you're able to move away from just plain out price competition. I can go and uh, buy a drink from a supermarket and drink it at home right? Or I could go to a nice cosy village pub, buy the same drink and have a different experience. And one of them is going to cost me significantly more. So it's the hidden product is the thing that you're actually going for. It's the thing that you're really
0: buying. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I, I like this. And the reason I like this is because I'm not a massive fan of Simon Sinek. Hmm. Uh, and specifically that book and that TED talk he did. <laughs> um and the reason I don't like it is because I think it's misinterpreted and I think he misinterprets where he's going with I think he starts from a good point, mm. which is don't talk about what you do and how you do it. Right. I, I, I get that and I agree with that 100%. I think he then goes in the wrong direction by emphasizing the why. What was What's the example he gives in the TED talk? It's Apple, isn't it? something like Apple don't say we make the best computers, they yes. say we believe in challenging the status quo yeah. and thinking differently, right. and we prove that by making these computers, right? I, I think that's bollocks. I don't think that's what Apple did. So I think what Apple did is what you're talking about. If, like, if you look at old videos of Steve Jobs, there's a YouTube video somewhere where he talks about what the priorities were for Apple, and he doesn't talk about why or challenging the status quo or thinking differently. Mm-hmm. He talks about the most important thing that we need to do is create a beautiful experience for the user. Right. Nothing else matters. It has to be beautiful mm. because the user experience is everything. And if we do that, everything else follows from it. And he's right. I, I remember when the Apple fanboys were, were sort of a new thing. And all they used to say were things like, it just works. Yeah. Because it did. It was an enjoyable right. experience. They, They were beautiful products, they were beautifully designed, and they were a joy to use. And they did just work. Right. And that's what generated all of the early adoption buzz around Apple. I don't remember at any point Apple ever talking about, this is why we're doing this. The reason I have sort of like an emotional reaction to Simon Sinek is because it feels sometimes like I I do a lot of deprogramming of small business owners Mm. who haven't done any of the hidden product stuff, haven't done any of the basic market research of is there a market for this thing I'm selling, is it the right price, am I promoting it well enough, is there a market? but instead of watched this Simon Sinek video and gone, right, do you know what? If I just tell people why I've decided to start selling scented candles, then I'm going to be the next Steve Jobs.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and it's, it's really frustrating. And I, I fell in that trap as well. There, there is an old blog somewhere on one of my websites where I bang on about the why of impact. God help me, it's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think everyone sort of falls into that trap. So what, what I really like about what you're saying is we're taking that message of, right, stop talking about the what, Stop talking about the how. Let's talk about what you're really selling, that emotional response.
1: Right. And this works particularly well when you're in a B2C world, right? Because you are appealing to an individual. You're trying to get money out of them and they can make that decision on their own, right? Hmm. In a B2B B world where you're actually selling to a large organization, it's significantly harder. Of course it is because you, you, you don't have that human experience to draw on in the same way. You know, yeah. you're, you're selling to somebody who's part of a bigger machine. That's probably why most B2B marketing is boring, frankly. <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't draw the heartstrings because there's nobody to, to, to draw in, right? Mm. You know, but when you're dealing with either a B2C environment or a B2 very small B, like yeah. a one-man shop, um, then it works really well. You know? And you can take pretty much the, the most boring business models in the world and apply this to them. So let's say I'm, a, uh, I'm an accountant, um, selling to small business owners, right? What is it that you're actually selling? Well, my visible product is I can compile your VAT returns for you and your corporate tax returns, right? That's what I can do. The reality, your hidden product is I'm going to save you an absolute ton of time and stop you being fined by the tax man and stop you tearing your hair out. You just send it to me and I, I make that go away, right? That's your hidden product. That's the thing somebody's really selling, yeah. Right. So it's all about identifying what your hidden product is. And the really important message I'm trying to get across here is if you've stumbled into business because, I don't know, circumstances happened, you you know, you used to be a recruiter and so you just thought I'd go out and do the same thing on my own, right? That's okay. That means that you didn't start with why, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't look for your why now. You shouldn't look for your hidden product and double down on it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So how do businesses figure that out? How do you figure out what your hidden product is?
1: The easiest and best way to do it is to look at your customers, your existing customers. And in some cases, if this is possible, ask your customers, right? And what you do is you kind of, you look at your existing customers, you ask them exactly what it is that you want and you try to niche as much as you can. Niching is a good thing. Um, it is powerful to niche into a certain customer segment because you will understand that customer segment more and all of your messages will resonate much better with that customer audience. If you if you understand what your hidden product is.
0: Yeah, sure. Right?
1: And you talk to that specifically.
0: There is no substitute to just talking to customers, yes, isn't it and, and even more so, I'm a big fan of, of talking to customers who don't buy from you or who chose not to buy from you. Yes, And those conversations can be really painful, but they are the most valuable market research you can do. If you can toughen up your skin enough to have those right. conversations, then there's some really good stuff in there. Right. What sort of questions should we be... Should we be asking to try and uncover these hidden products? How, how would you approach it with a customer?
1: I think it's all about asking for open-ended questions and the rationale behind various different things. People are pretty dreadful at being precise in, in what it is that they're looking for, right? And you have to bear that in mind because if you're expecting customers to give you the secret source answer, they're not going to do it. You're gonna be very disappointed. So what you need to be doing is you need to ask open-ended questions, understand why they bought from you or didn't buy from you, what alternatives did they look at, what other sort of things might complement it, for example, and just try to build up that rich tapestry of their lives. And again, this is why niching becomes so, so important because it's all very focused on that particular target customer, what it is that they want so that you can build your products and services around that perfectly.
0: Brilliant. Um, can you think of anyone who's doing this really well at the moment?
1: The people who do this really, really well end up with kind of product ecosystems, all of which work together. But you see a lot of this in the SaaS world, where yeah. you end up with an expanding ecosystem of products, all of which are entirely consistent, all of which make perfect sense. And the reason they're able to do that so effectively is because they've had these conversations around their existing product set.
0: Yeah. Right. So, I, one, one organization that I think is doing this really well, exactly what you've just spoken about, building an ecosystem of products, um, there's a social media management tool called Agora Pulse. And they started with, with this very sort of focused idea of social media managers and how they manage multiple accounts and all that sort of stuff. But what Agora Pulse have done really well is focused on the social media manager experience and what their lives are like day in, day out. And they've used that to gather intelligence and then build out their tool to meet the needs specifically of that group of people, right? Whereas other social media management tools look at what's technically possible and what the platforms allow and then build out a feature that, you know, congratulations, that's fantastic, but I'm never going to use it as a social media manager. Agorapulse have that other approach, which is where they almost sort of poll their target market and work from that starting point to build it out.
1: Yeah. And that's um, exactly right. That, that's a really bad trap that lots of people fall into. And I'll also put up my own hand and say, I've fallen into that trap in the past where you get all excited about some technical possibility without doing the groundwork of saying, who's going to use this? Does it actually make their lives better? Which is why it's so important to really understand who your target audience is. What's your niche? How are you making their lives better? Um, you've got to do that to, to save yourself a huge amount of time and pain.
0: Awesome. Awesome, right, okay, so, this is the point where I try and summarize (laughs) the lessons that we're talking about. Okay, so I think this is all about figuring out your hidden product, right? That's the key message. So the way you figure out your hidden product, which is the thing that people actually buy from you, it's the emotional response. It's the thing that improves their lives. The way you figure that out is by talking to your customers and your ex-customers or non-customers and asking, as you say, open-ended questions with a view to uncovering these little drops of intelligence that you can then take and figure out what emotional response you're selling and then define what it is you actually do as a business, right? Exactly. And then you take that and you look at your niche and you figure out how to focus on that niche with this emotional response using their language and all that sort of stuff. That forms the basis for your marketing, right? Right.
1: Yeah. You, yes, you've done it perfectly well there. Great job summarizing it. The one thing that I would say is, first of all, if you haven't done this exercise before and you're retrofitting it, that's okay. That's understandable. Go ahead and, and try to find your hidden product now because it's, it's never too late to work out what your hidden product is. The one thing that I would guard against, though, is being too literal. You've got to approach it with an open mind. And as part of this this journey of understanding what your hidden product is your visible products may change. And that's a positive thing. You should embrace that.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Right. Listeners, let us know what are your hidden products? What do you sell? What does your website say that you sell? And what do you actually sell? Uh, drop us a message. Let us know. Podcast at impactbiz.co.uk.
1: Now, we're recording this just a few days after Italy beat England in the Euro 2020 finals. Uh Aside from the fact that a couple of penalty kicks have completely and totally crushed the hopes and dreams of millions of people in this country, David, what's got sand in
0: your eye this week? <laughs> I've got two things. I've got two things. Firstly, I'm going to get the football out of the way. Okay. So I am, you, you can't tell this from my voice, but I am from Scotland. Right, and I, I, I don't sound it, but I feel 100%. Like we left Scotland when I was very young, but okay. I feel 100% Scottish. So, supporting England in a football tournament doesn't kind of come naturally to me. Okay. Um, so, throughout this tournament, I've kind of been picking... When England's been playing, I've kind of been picking which side I'm going to support based on the national cuisine, which generally means i'm always going to support whoever isn't england so right? are you telling
1: me that you are actually pleased that england lost
0: no no i'm not and this is this is my point so obviously when when england were playing denmark i mean bacon is just one of god's greatest treasures <laughs> on earth so <laughs> okay. of course i'm going to support this so every time and when they were playing scotland obviously you know i'm going to support them for obvious reasons um Because you prefer haggis. Because Scottish cuisine is is incredible. Okay. So every time I've supported the opposition, England have played well. Right. And then we get to the final and getting ready to watch the match, I go out, I get a couple of bottles of San Miguel, I get some pizza from the local takeaway Mm -hmm. and we sit down to watch the match, fully expecting that the better team, Italy, are going to win and I'm going to support them because they have incredible food. So I start watching the game England scored a minute and a half in. And then they sort of played quite well for the next 20 minutes or so. And I felt something switch inside me. And I I started thinking, it would be nice if England won this, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. Like that would be quite a nice moment, like nationally. And this has been my home for 39 years. So yeah, it would be nice. And I felt myself switching from an Italy supporter to an England supporter. And the very moment I switched... Italy just dominated the game, right? Right. So it's my fault. So it's my fault. England lost the final. Okay. So you get to the final of an international tournament, you lose the final, and instead of celebrating the fact you got there and how well did they do, like being an England fan, you just tear each other apart. Mm. Like the the twenty four hours following that football were just awful. I I Mm. had to I had to leave Twitter for twenty four hours because it was just it was just awful, Mm. and like. It's bad enough to lose a match. You don't need to tear each other apart at the same time. That's just adding insult to injury. So that's rant number one. And rant number two, which is very similar to the rant Emma had last week. On Sunday, our doorbell went and I opened the door and I had my daughter, who's three years old, I had her in my arms. and at the door was an elderly neighbor who we'd never met before. And she was going door to door down our street collecting sponsorship money for her daughter who was raising money for Macmillan. Okay. Fantastic. And I opened the door. I said, hello. And she looked at me and she looked at my daughter and she said, ooh, is that your daughter or your granddaughter? <laughs> I'm 40. I'm fucking 40. I was so, honestly, I don't even know what I said. I was so flustered and astonished. So, since then, um, it's prompted me to do loads of exercise and it's awful. When does exercise get good? Like, you're, you're into exercise. At what point? I believe there is a point at which it stops being the most hateful practice on earth and you start enjoying it. I've never experienced that. How long does it take?
1: Uh, I haven't, I'm not actually sure that I've hit the point where it becomes enjoyable. Um, I'm at the point where it's just become so routine that I feel lazy and I beat myself up if I don't do it. Um, I wouldn't say it's enjoyable. Mm. If you're interested in getting into exercise, you have to do some sort of class. Have to.
0: Really? Um,
1: yeah, no, honestly. And you can choose any type of class you want, but it is, I would say, at least 80 to 90% of exercise is about the people you meet. Oh, okay. Um, and going consistently so that you meet them
0: i mean the main problem i have with this is the sort of people i'm going to meet at an exercise class are people who think going to an exercise class is a good idea and i don't think they're my people i think i need to be in a room of other people who will be finding it equally hateful
1: you'd be you'd be surprised i think there's a lot of people who struggle so people who are new to exercise of course you're going to struggle at the beginning of some classes because they're going to be hard normally though you you quite quickly find that after, you know, maybe three or four classes or whatever like that, people become quite supportive of you. Right, um, and okay. certainly at my gym, at least, you know, there are people who are, who are much older than me and people who are younger than me and everybody everybody just supports everybody else. We have a good laugh. So
0: Okay. Right. still feels like a, a mythical land that I'm yet to experience. Um,
1: <laughs> if but- you want, I can give you a, a recommendation of a gym that I found this morning, which had a class that no no joke is called death squared that's the name of the class on twitter they've got this video of people having finished the class and it's just a load of bodies lying on the floor panting for breath
0: no absolutely that's not. awesome no that sounds fucking horrendous I've been to <laughs> one exercise class uh, in the past god 20 years uh, an old colleague of mine Malcolm Mabry he took me along to a, a spin class yeah. at his gym and it was fucking awful and everyone else was making it look effortless and there was this guy at the front shouting just barking orders at everyone and maybe like the fourth or fifth time where he told everyone to stand up and pedal I just couldn't do it anymore so I just stayed sitting down and he just kept shouting at me in front of everyone stand up you stand up stop sitting down Stop!" honestly the only reason I didn't punch him in the throat is because I'd lost all control over all limbs (laughs) it's the only reason he escaped unscathed it was just the most awful experience so
1: okay so for every subscriber we get to this podcast uh we're gonna email a private link of david doing some exercise i think i think that's what we should
0: do no it's time to find out what's been distracting us from work stuff this week chris what has been your little oasis of calm and hope
1: so last week i was away on holidays we talked about and uh the airbnb that we were staying at they had netflix and we don't have netflix at home and my wife She's like, oh, great. I want to watch cheer. It is six episodes, um, an hour long, and it tracks the fortunes of a college cheerleading group. And what they did was they had a camera crew which just followed them mm. for an entire year through the training and preparation for the big national championships, uh, which happened in Daytona Beach, Um and so it was it was a fascinating insight. When I first went there, I'm like, oh God, this is gonna be a waste of an hour, isn't it? By the end, I was absolutely hooked. You see all of the, the individual cheerleaders, it's actually like a massive amount of injuries, broken arms, broken shoulders, all sorts of stuff. A- absolutely fascinating to see the way that they, that they go through this and actually the bonds that they um, develop between themselves mm. in a very, very harsh uh, environment, which is unbelievable to see. And all this ba- uh, behind-the-scenes footage, there are some guys um, who come from very tough backgrounds and you start to understand that actually this cheerleading thing, being part of this group, becomes almost the central thing in their entire lives is supporting the team and you see them, um, you know, psyching each other up before their competitions and stuff like that, which is just, it's really, it's quite a heartwarming uh, thing. But what's absolutely crazy is that this is the one-shot thing. So they all go to this one, um, this one particular competition, they win or they lose, and then their entire cheerleading career is over. Because there is nothing else for them to go on to. This doesn't exist. It's not like college football where you can go on to professional football or something like that. That just doesn't exist. Right. So they've trained for probably 10 years of their lives for literally one final uh, two minutes and 15 seconds routine. Um, And then that's it. Wow. Their entire career is over. And it's just, it's a fascinating documentary that seeing the build up to this and then actually seeing, you know, two weeks later, they've all just scattered to the wind. Um, but had this amazing experience so cheer yeah. on netflix fantastic
0: awesome. cool that's it for this week thanks to everyone for listening if you've got a story or want to ask us a question you can message us directly by emailing podcast at impactbiz.biz.co.uk. don't forget to subscribe and review the show on apple podcasts spotify or whatever your preferred podcast player is we'll be back next thursday with another episode have a great week Awesome. (laughs) That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Founders Anonymous is an impact and fix-back production.